because we are not getting what we are supposed to be getting out of our reading of the Bible and we are not getting what we are supposed to be getting out of our prayers. Therefore, if I'm not being profited in any manner by these two things, I will stop doing it. And I will pay attention to whatever else profits me. So the word of God and prayer, these are the only two things. Now, why don't I begin to, you know, get a bit more serious with this? Let me just uh, look at three things this morning, and that may help us to understand. The first thing is the sovereignty of God. That by the sovereignty of God, we simply mean that God is powerful and authoritative to the extent of being uh, able to override all other powers, all other authorities. In other words, there is nothing uh, that can successfully stop any act, any event, any, any design, any purpose, any plan of God. Whatever he intends to do, it will be done because he is God. Come on, amen. He cannot, he's never helpless, he's never frustrated, and, and there is, he's never at a loss. God is always in absolute control. Listen to what Isaiah says, how God is speaking about himself. In the Living Bible, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and verse 10. Don't forget the many times I, I clearly told you what was going to happen in the future. In other words, he has the whole future under his control. Amen. For I am God, I only, and there is no other like me who can tell you what is going to happen. All I say will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Okay, so that's one of the things. How does David say this? He says in Psalm 135, describing God, verse 6 and 7, message translation, I too give witness to the greatness of God, our Lord, high and above all other gods. He does just as he pleases, however, wherever, and whenever. So I've got a couple of questions. My first question is, if God is in absolute control and he does whatever he wants to do, how does my prayer affect him or how does it change my situation? Because God has already determined all things, correct? He's already sovereign. He has decided what he's going to do. The second question I have is, if my prayer can affect or influence God, then somehow it seems that God is at my mercy because I can influence him to do things. Come on. I hope you all think with me, all right? Listen, <laughs> Christianity is not a religion where you kiss your brains goodbye. It's a faith where you ask questions. Oh, listen, you can ask God questions, but don't question God. No, I find the Bible, they question God. If you are really who you say you are, Gideon says, and we are supposed to be your people, then why do all these things happen? Ask questions. God is not afraid because he's altogether wise. So we need to understand, like, like what uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, verse 18 Paul is praying for the church. He says, I pray, I pray that, that you guys will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
that you may know the hope of your calling. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding or your heart will be open so you can see the glorious inheritance that God has for you. Our eyes are not open to these things. So we don't see these things. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, but God has revealed them unto us. He has not hidden them from us. Revealed them to us by His Spirit. So God wants us to know Him and wants us to have a, a, a proper concept of who He is. So God is absolutely sovereign. So when we speak about the sovereign of God, we, uh, prayer, prayer can become like a senseless activity because if God is sovereign, He does whatever He wants to and I cannot influence Him, then what's the point of praying? So we pray and we don't get answers and so we feel frustrated because we do not like to fail. All of us want to succeed. You're all very quiet this morning. First time pastor speaking. Hard message. Because that's the question God's still asking you. Where are you? And so we need to know. All right. Now I want to go to the second part. That has to do with the significance of the word. God is sovereign. Listen to me very carefully now. God is sovereign until he speaks. And once he speaks, he is now held bound by his word. The law this is a law throughout the scriptures. Whenever God speaks, his word becomes law. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4, the word of the king is supreme when he speaks. Now, so what happens, I've said before, I've, you've heard me say it a few times in church, God must be absolutely bold or foolish to bind himself to the word. Because once God speaks, he cannot go against the word. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I have sent it. So when God speaks his word, he has established a law not only to creation, but also to himself. He cannot violate the word of God. He cannot violate the law that he has already given. He is sovereign, but he becomes trapped by the words that he says. That's why in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord was rare because God will not speak. For once he speaks, he's now bound by his word. Everybody following with me? Now I want you to listen very carefully. God must protect his integrity. Isaiah, uh, Psalm 138, verse 2. You have magnified your word above your name. See, the name of God is actually his character, his nature. So what is he saying? He's saying that he has exalted the word above his very nature, his very character. He cannot fight his own character. He cannot go against his integrity. He must protect his integrity. Now again, how does this... Uh, affect my relationship in prayer. Here you go. As I said, we're going back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Listen to this one. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heavens, over livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It seems like God is telling us what he actually did in creating man. But pay attention. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we take it that, okay, so now in chapter 2, he's explaining what he did in chapter 1. But no. When God created man, he created man a spirit being like himself. God is a spirit. Come on, everybody following with me. Follow with me now. God is a spirit being. He created man as a spirit being. So now he begins to create dust. He takes dust and he takes this spirit being and puts him in a body or in, in the dust. So man becomes, man is a spirit being, being placed in humus, dirt. So man becomes a human. Everybody following with me? Now it is to this human, man in dirt, it is to this human that God says, let them have authority. I wish God had said, let us create man in our image and let us have authority. Let us have dominion. But God did not say that. He said, let's create man and he made man and put him in that body and he says, let this person now have dominion over everything that happens in this world. Therefore, God now cannot intervene. As I shared right at the beginning, I didn't put that, that word up for you, the word to intervene, when God intervenes. It means to intentionally become involved in a difficult situation in order to change, to improve, to prevent it from getting worse. Intervene, when God intervenes. So now, God cannot intervene because God is spirit being and man has dominion over the earth. So everything that happens in this world is man's responsibility, not God. If God were to intervene without man requiring him to intervene, then God is violating his own law because he said, Man shall have dominion. Man that is created and placed inside dirt. Now, for the enemy to come and intervene in the garden, it had to use a body. So it used a serpent. When Jesus cast out the spirits, the legion, they said, send us into the Pigs, because the spirit cannot do anything unless it involves a body. Hello, everybody following with me so far? Therefore, now let's go back to this again. Genesis chapter 126. Let us make men, let them have dominion. Now when God says man, he means male and female. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 2, he called Adam and Eve man, created in his image. Not man as in masculine, but man as in the being that he created. Everybody following with me? Male and female, but 
female also man, male also man. That's why the scriptures does not say he has made us sons and daughters. He says we have become sons of God. Man. All right. So coming back into this, this word again, God said, let them have. That is why it was necessary for Jesus to come into this world as a man. Because without a body, God cannot intervene in the affairs of man. So God is always looking for people that he can use. And the enemy is always looking for people that he can use. But they require a human body. They require a human body. So now we come to the simplicity of prayer. Or the simplicity of the principles of God. The word of God is always together with prayer. Listen to me very carefully, please. If you don't have the word of God, your prayer life will be very weak. You've got no authority to come before God and ask for things if he has not already spoken those things. He's only bound by his word. Why does God meet my need? Because he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus concerning you. Because he has already spoken it. So when he comes to the word, how many of you want to have God, you know, have mercy on you, have abundant pardon? Come on. Okay. Six of you. So here it goes. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord. Oh, God's merciful. God will always forgive you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways. The unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to our God. And he will abundantly pardon. The principles are very simple. See, we began with Hosea chapter 4. Listen to me, please. The Bible was not written for the world. Bible was written for his people. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If my people will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will. If they will do this, then I will. I cannot become involved until and unless they pray. I cannot. I gave them the authority. So if everything, anything that happens in this world is bad, guess whose fault? Not God's fault. We decided. Man decided he was going to keep God out. And when you ignore the laws of God, things happen. We call it the law of gravity. No, it's the law of God. God is the one who said whatever goes up must come now, you try to f be Superman, jump out of a 16-story building, guess what? Splat. Why? Because you broke the law of God. There are laws that God has placed inside, into nature. What you plant, you are also going to reap. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. These are laws that you cannot ignore, the laws of God. So the less I know of the laws of God, the less power I have in prayer. So when I come to God, I always come with this word. Did you not say, God, you brought your people out. You told us that we are going to come out of this uh, Egypt and we are going to go into the promised land. Have you brought us thus far and destroy all of us? What will people say about you? You have the ability to take us out, but no power to bring us in. 
How do I know that God's going to do a good work in me and the work is going to be complete? Because he said he will. He started a work in me. He says he's going to complete it. Come on. Amen. How many of you want to have life and more abundantly? So he's going to take that which is ordinary and make it become extraordinary. The secret is simple. John chapter 2 and verse 2, they invited Jesus to the wedding. So water becomes wine. You can either have a water kind of a life or you can have a wine-filled, rich, wonderful, rich, come on, full-bodied kind of thing. Or you can have just ordinary things. You can live ordinary or extraordinary. It's up to you. Jesus was invited. Very simple. The principles of God, that's why we pray. I stand at the door and I knock. In other words, I don't have the key to your house. If I had it, I would open the door and come in. You hold the key to your life. I'm standing, I'm knocking. I want to come in. I want to intervene. In your family, everything else, I want to be involved. How about your family? Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, and the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Because they had the ark inside the house. Prayer. Simple principles of the word of God. Let me just say this. Uh, I, I want to share this with, with pastors when I go to pastors' conferences. There are three ways to come under the blessings of God. Listen very carefully, please. Three ways. One, intimacy with God. Very simple. If you're intimate with Him, you come under the blessing, the hand of God, the anointing of God, you come under all these things. Number two, you follow the principles of God even if you are not intimate. If you follow the principles that God has given, that's why the world has stolen our thunder. When they have all these big speeches that they give, they use a lot of scripture. They understand that the principles of God work. That if I do so, I'm going to reap. If I plant certain things, I'm going to have an abundance. This is a principle that covers the entire world. So if I follow the principles of God, it's going to work. Even if I don't have intimacy with Him. The third is to come under the covering of someone who is walking under the anointing. So when Elisha comes under the anointing of Elijah... He gets this great anointing. You come under the ministry of certain people, they pray for you, they bless you, you get the blessing of God. So when I raise my hand at the end of the service and bless you, I know God's going to bless you. If you believe that this blessing is not just a ceremony that I do, but that I proclaim as a servant of God the blessing of God upon you and your household. That's the third way of coming into it. So now I have to decide that the principle, am I going to live under this kind of anointings, just come up, receive the blessing because somebody blesses me or, or because I follow the word and then things are going to work or do I come into an intimacy with God? Do I become a friend of Him? Do I walk with Him? Come on, amen? In my prayer life, do I walk with Him? So Obed-Edom kept this thing. In every area of our lives, God wants to bless us. Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Which means you are building your house, but God's not involved. And you're trying so, 
make sure that you have enough finances, you're worried about the future, you're thinking about what's going to happen to my uh, children, you know, the education, will I have enough finances? You are building your house, but God's not involved. And so you labor in vain, you labor, and, and nothing at the end of the day you feel is just empty. So you're like, what's life after all? I'm just surviving. When God wants you to thrive, the Lord blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake because Joseph walked with God. And God can bless your entire family and beyond if you just remain faithful to God. Come on, amen. The simplicity of prayer and Bible study. If I just know what God is saying. So Job says, when you come into his presence, bring arguments. That's right. Fill your mouth with arguments when you come into the presence of God. Don't pray all these religious things. Listen, man, please, please. The church has been in existence now for nearly 2,000 years. God has heard every religious prayer that needs to be prayed. Some of you are already getting ready to pray. Huh? How do you start? Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah. God has heard that man. Why don't you come to him and I always say this, please cry from the depths of your heart. When I'm lying there and I couldn't breathe, I didn't go, oh God, I'm going through pain. Can you please? No, man. It's just like, Jesus, help, help, help me, help me. So the woman comes and she, re she rehearses a prayer that she learned from some Jewish person. She's a Canaanite woman. She does not belong to the Israel. She has heard that if I pray a certain way, then maybe God will hear me. And so she learns it and she's rehearsing all the way to the point where she can meet him. She dresses like a Jewish woman should dress. She has her hair up in a little Jewish bun and she makes her way from Syrophoenicia all the way to where she finds out where he's going to be. And when he steps out of the boat, she comes to him and she cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Where did she learn that? She heard it from other Jewish people praying. Now it's her turn to pray. If I can just pray like they prayed, if I can pray like pastor or this apostle or this prophet, if I can pray like they prayed, Jesus will hear me. And he says, and Jesus did not answer her one word. He just kept on walking. And she cried the more, louder, Jesus, thou son of David, if you have mercy on me, have mercy on me. He kept silent. Didn't answer her a word. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Maybe you should change your prayer. Maybe if I go, have mercy upon me, son of David, Jesus. How about, son of David, have mercy upon me, Jesus. Or, or let, let's turn the prayer around, but let's turn it around. You know that some people feel they can sleep better if they just say the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Amen. What are you doing? You think he hasn't heard that prayer? He invented it. <laughs> Do you know that when you come before God, you need to come 
If you want to see success in your life, please understand. He is the sovereign God. But his sovereignty is limited to the words that he's spoken. Once he speaks, he's bound by his sovereignty. That sovereignty is bound right there. You bring his word before him, he is bound. Man shall not live by, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Once it has come forth, you can live on that word. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why you need to read your Bible and pray. If you don't read your Bible and don't pray, don't keep asking everybody else, Storm, Dick and Harry, Apostle, Prophet, whoever, to pray for you. God is bound to His Word. If my people, my people, you, it's not the world, I, the, the world is already decided where they want to go, but my own people are perishing. Instead of thriving, they are perishing because they don't understand this. And they don't seek, because they do, not, they do not seek knowledge, I will also reject them as my priest. You can pray, you can, I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. Listen, we are more interested in doing for Jesus than coming and just seeking Him. That's why we don't mind coming to a worship service. We don't mind getting involved in missions. We don't mind giving the offering. But oh, Pastor, prayer meeting, I don't know lie. Bible study, I don't really know. And yet these are the two essentials for you to function as a believer and to thrive. Amen. Because you make the meditation of God your priority. Because you have not ignored the law of God. Don't say, oh, God will provide for my children because I remain righteous. How are you going to remain righteous if you don't read the word and grow in him and pray? Where are you? Where are you in your relationship? We sang just now one word from God. That's the authority. Is it true? Do we really believe it? That all authority is given to him and when he speaks it, it happens. You can live on the word of God. Come on. You can take the word and see how God blesses you just because you know it hasn't happened in the past because you didn't understand it. So I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that your eyes will be open to understand the importance of where I've got to be when it comes to the word and prayer. You can have, like I said at the beginning, either water or wine. I don't know where you are. The question God is asking, he's not asking just me, he's asking you as individuals. Where are you? Where are you? Don't you want to thrive instead of survive? Don't you want to grow? Don't you want to see the blessing of God upon you and your household? Come on, amen? Stand with me together. Hallelujah. The song that we sang, Jesus, it is you, means so much to me. Because the thing that I went to is uh, uh, the song that, that kept coming in my mind was when I, when I see you in the storm, I see you in the storm. That was a song that kept coming in my mind while I was lying there on the hospital bed. And whenever I had that pain, I would always have that song, God, even in the storm, you're going to be there. Even in my prayer, when I cannot even pray, I do not know what to say, God, you're going to be there. Amen. Please learn to share your heart with God. 
God never gets embarrassed by what you share with Him. Never. What He wants is truth in the inward parts. This is what I feel. God, this is what I'm going through. This is my battle. This is my struggle, Lord, please. You've got to help me through this one. Amen.